This is Brianna, and I quit. Have a good day, everyone, and best of luck to my coworkers in the future. You've got quiet quitters, and you've got loud quitters, and like, okay, we got these kind of quitters and those kind of quitters. Anybody working out there? Do we have people in the workforce right now who are just darn happy? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 612 Wisconsin's Morning News, Summerfest 2024 will launch June 20th of next year and will also include the 4th of July. Who would you say the best performance that you've seen at Summerfest? Uh, the Rolling Stone. That would be MC Hammer. B-52s, that was like... 30 years ago. We're tied between uh, Meatloaf and Joan Jett. Chris Stapleton, two years ago. Yeah, Jason Smith reporting on the opening day of Summerfest 2023. Right. Everybody's got those. What was your best? What was your favorite? Mm-hmm. Was Foo biggest? Fighters opening for the Red Hots. 2001, maybe? Bon Jovi, 93. Milwaukee World Festival, as you heard in the news, reporting the most significantly, really, that it's going to stick with the three-weekend format for the festival next year. Read forever and ever. So does this mean we can stop talking about it then? I, I think. I mean, Summerfest obviously made a calculation. Some of that was post-COVID, right? Because how are we going to do this and clean up the festival grounds and whatever yeah. when they came back late in 2021? Mm-hmm. 2022, we're going to stick with it. They ran the numbers. They liked it. Obviously, it's working for them. And the numbers this year, much healthier than in 2022. Summerfest reporting nearly 625,000 fans over the nine-day run of the festival up over 40% over last year, and certainly the most post-COVID. Still not at pre-pandemic levels, but also consider you're shaving off a day. At least a day, right? right? Is it just the one? It's not, okay. yeah. You lose a day in the three-weekend mm-hmm, format, mm-hmm. but you're, the, the whole thing about Thursday, Friday, Saturday is those were the most robust days in attendance. You know, believe they ran the numbers. They didn't, they didn't do this on not a Not just doing it willy-nilly. Right. I did also uh, communicate with Don Smiley, who is now the former CEO right. of Summerfest. So he's Crazy. officially retired now. Sarah Pancary Smith. Uh, Smith Pancary is uh, taking over the reins there. But uh, Smiley told me their revenue was up as well, as you can imagine, since they're up a couple hundred thousand people in terms of uh, attendance. But also that revenue is at a point where they feel the festival is healthy moving forward. So I know people have mixed reactions. I don't know. I think we just like to complain about stuff. <laughs> Whatever that is. I think you're on to something there. A decade from now when we've been doing Summerfest, Thursday, Friday, we'll Saturday. We'll still be talking for, about you know, it. You know, they used to have it. It was 10 straight days. It was wonderful. Yep. yep. They good, should go back to that. Good thing we have that roof fed Amfam Field. <laughs> yes, right. We're still talking about Enough. that. Other numbers released. 600 artists, record number of sponsorships, including 15 new sponsors this year. And Eric? If you paid full price to get into Summerfest, you, you just didn't, didn't try, try very hard. hard. Enough, very hard. They distributed 50,000 free tickets. That's almost a full day <laughs> of attendance. So very successful run for the big gig. Brandon Snide has sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Stars were out in Seattle for Major League Baseball's 93rd All-Star Game. The National League looking for a win, the first one in nine years. The last time they won, Barack Obama was president, LeBron James was in Miami, and the NFL had replacement refs. After a nine-year losing drought with one swing to the bat, they finally did just that. The 2-2. Swing and a high fly ball, left field. That one back, that one way back there, gone! 
Elias Diaz, a home run. And the National League has taken a 3-2 lead as he blasts that one out to left. The call on MLB Network Radio as Diaz would knock in the go-ahead two-run home run in the top of the eighth inning as the National League would finally hold on for the 3-2 victory, their first win since 2012. Neither Brewers pitchers Corbin Burns or Devin Williams made an appearance in the game. From the Diamond to the NBA, where the undefeated Summer Bucks are no more. This after an ugly loss to the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night by a final score of 92-71. to Next up for the Young Bucks, the Miami Heat on Thursday night. And over to tennis, Ukrainian star Elena Svitolina delivered one of the biggest surprises at Wimbledon this year after she upset a number one seed Igna Swiatek on Tuesday Svitolina, who is heading to the semifinals, is from Ukraine. And after her big win, she talked about her support back in her homeland. There was many videos also on the internet where the kids uh, are watching on their phones. Uh, and, uh, you know, this really uh, makes my heart melt uh, seeing this. And, you know, just happy I could bring little happiness to, to people of Ukraine. Next up for the Ukrainian tennis star, the semifinals, which will begin on Thursday. Coming up, you ever heard of loud quitters? We talked about quiet quitters. These are the loud quitters, who they are and how you deal with them in the workplace. That story next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Should point out some of the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old, correctly points out. Summerfest actually used to be 11 days, not there 10. There you go. Yeah, you you were, you were looked thought, at me when yeah, I said I 10. I thought it was 11, but I didn't add it It up. was so long ago. And now State Fair, they're going to do in four weekends. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to run all summer. <laughs> just every Sunday. Two days gonna, each month. Just going to do Sunday. No, that's not happening. Don't text. <laughs> State Fair is how it always was. Story I came across there, exciting research from Gallup. And we've talked about quiet quitters. Yes. Post-COVID, these are the people at work who are just kind of disengaged. They're at work. Going through the motions. Yeah. And Maybe not even doing that. Yeah, right. And it's kind of like, well, if I, get, if I get fired, I get fired, whatever. I'm just do, I'm doing the bare minimum. Yeah, right. Well, there's a new term out there. It's called loud quitters. I talked with our partners at LAK Group, Mike Grubich, friend of mine, president there at this business consulting firm. He says it's a real thing they're seeing in the workplace, and people like that can kill your organization. I am finally going to quit. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. People right now, it's interesting, Vince. You know, you think about it 15 years ago, if I wasn't happy, I'd have a couple people I could confide in at work. I'd complain or I'd talk to my friends or my, my family and complain about it. But then you just kind of stuck it out. Now there's so many ways you can get out and communicate things. I'm just sitting here after a shift, drinking some coffee. And I just put my two-week notice in that I am leaving this job. People leave managers, not their organizations. And if they don't feel like they have an environment where they can develop their capabilities, do things that they love to do, and have a, uh, have good relationships, especially with their direct manager, they get disengaged really quick. To Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. Greta and Kathy, shame on y'all for treating your associates the way you do. I hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us. They say the quiet quitter is just sort of disengaged, but the loud quitter is engaging with others, maybe even in the workplace. I envision that as, you know, we have interns here and here's the guy up there going, oh, you don't want to go into this business. You don't want to work at this place. This place sucks. Right. And I think even more or equally as dangerous is that person takes on that cynical approach 
in the workplace and, and isn't necessarily going to leave, but just kind of festers that anxiety in the workplace based on what they're saying. How do managers deal with a person like that, regardless of how that that loud quitter got to that point? And as you indicated, that sometimes can be due to poor management, poor leadership. But uh, you got you got somebody who's that type of person in your organization. How do you deal with it? Yeah, uh, directly. You got. I think you have to pull that person into the room, and you have to get things on the table. And so, I, I a lot of advice I give people is talk about the situation the behavior, and the impact it's having. Uh, just go through that with that individual so they, they can become more aware of what they did in a specific situation and how it's impacting themselves and the organization. I'm quitting my second job today. Let's see how this goes. Talking with Mike Grubich of LAK Group. All right, Mike, say the, the boss calls you in and says, hey, listen, um, I'm seeing kind of a negative attitude here, and I'm seeing some things about your performance that I'm concerned about. How should we take that as employees, as the workers? Ask for specifics. So a lot of leaders will use that term attitude. And, you know, attitude is one of those things. If you say, hey, your attitude has been bad, usually the reaction is you start to see what a bad attitude really looks like. Um, (laughs) Yes. Right? You want an attitude? I'll give you an attitude. I'll give you an attitude, right? People get defensive. So, But if, if that's brought up to you as the employee asks, so can you give me a specific example what what did you see? Tell me, get, get specific so that way you can address it. This is Brianna and I quit. Have a good day, everyone, and best of luck to my coworkers in the future. You've got quiet quitters and you've got loud quitters and like, okay, we got these kind of quitters and those kind of quitters. Anybody working out there? Do we have people in the workforce right now who are just darn happy? At, you know, at, at Gallup, Gallup's data usually will show that there's a, still a good percentage that are really actively engaged. I guess I have a glasses three-quarter full perspective, I think most people, and what I've seen in my career, most people generally are trying to do a good job at work. It's Mike Grubich, uh, president at LAK Group, one of our partners here at WTMJ. Didn't take me a long time, Eric, to find all those quitting posts on social. Right. This is not what you want. Not a good look for your organization. Is it a good look for you? I quit. I quit. (laughs) I quit. I quit, Mr. White. Six thirty-eight on Wisconsin's morning news. Interesting, you have a tennis story here. Yeah. How, by the way, how'd that go last night? <laughs> Not well. Like. Look, people always ask whether it's golf or tennis or any of the things I do. Oh, we're going to hear about this on the radio tomorrow. I'm like, I'm not going to come here and talk about my various athletic exploits. Oh, you got log rolled, didn't Except you? for when it's really bad. I got boat raced yesterday in doubles. Two and oh. Yeesh. Match took less than an hour. Good old-fashioned com- handcuffing, huh? Less than an hour? Less than an hour. Oof. Combination of them being very good, good players <laughs> and also me playing very poorly. Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, how important is it um, when you're in your serve for, like, quiet, like when you're putting or when you're driving on the golf course, do you need to be? does it need to be quiet when you're serving? I think for ten, for golf, it kind of does on your drive or on your shot or whatever. It affects me less in tennis. There's a lot more noise around tennis, different courts, guys yelling, okay. things happening. Well, so, so there is an issue at Wimbledon because of this. Someone was having champagne. Yep, you know that sound. Okay. And it happened during uh, a lady's serve, and they had to make an announcement about it. Ladies and gentlemen, please, if you are 
opening a bottle of champagne, don't do it as a player of the pub to serve. Thank you. Oh, don't you love that? That's from an Australian umpire. John Blom is uh, looking after this match. It's the most Wimbledon warning I've ever heard. <laughs> That's from the BBC. Couldn't he have just said, let's keep it quiet when they're serving, but he had to specifically state, right. if you are opening a bottle of champagne... It got me thinking, like, what if, the, if Wimbledon was taking place in Milwaukee... Okay, if the U.S. Open were brought here, yeah. what would the guy be saying? Hey, uh, no beer can. Right. That's that the it? sound. Right. <laughs> what else would you hear? What else would they be announcing you to stop doing if it was in Milwaukee? <laughs> no more air horns. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that during the serve. Please not have the chanting during the serve. <laughs> There is no brat toss here. No brat throwing. <laughs> no, no lawn work. No. Stop. Put that tractor away. <laughs> Did you, I asked you if you saw this. A guy, guy in Managua sentenced for bankruptcy fraud. Declared bankruptcy, and, and people from time to time have to do that in their personal finances when they become a mess, and there's a process for that. Assets are liquidated. Creditors paid off to some degree. Okay. The system is designed in bankruptcy proceedings to allow someone a second chance, right? Gotcha. And some people fall into this, sometimes out, circumstances outside of their control or, or whatever. We have a system in America where you have a second chance. They try to make the creditors somewhat hold. They get something at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you get to start over. Okay. Okay. And, and hopefully the people and entities you owe get something out of that. Here's the thing. In this process, when you enter into the personal bankruptcy process... There's like one thing required of you, and that's be honest. Okay, you've come. <laughs> All right, I think I know where you're going here. Lay out what you got. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. L- we'll listen, Eric. Uh, it's got to be everything. Understand, but like, let's look at what you have, what we can sell off. Let's make these creditors uh, give them what we can, mm-hmm. and then you get this second lease. Okay, you, you have to be honest. Couple of them, according to guy, guy Monaco, found himself convicted of fraud. Okay. Because he went through the bankruptcy process but was hiding assets. Two in particular, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. One including a very special car. Just a good old boy. Oh boy. Never mean it no harm. From the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, prosecutors say the Monaco man tried to conceal a replica Dukes of Hazard car <laughs> from bankruptcy <laughs> trustees. <laughs> Bruce Polsinski is his name. Ah, uh, of course. 57 years old, sentenced Thursday by Chief U.S. District Judge James D. Peterson. So you can have everything, take all my stuff, can't have that Duke car. It's not that girl, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's man. a pretty car. How about this guy? Where was he hiding it? <laughs> right? Did you have to keep it in an old barn? He said, gave it over to his friend's house. Hey, listen, I'm going to need to put this in your garage for a little while. <laughs> Don't even take it to the store. It right. kind of yeah. stands out a little right, bit. Right, his friend's driving around town <laughs> in him. Hey, I thought you had to get rid of that. Ah, it's... Eric's car. He's towing a boat with it. Come on. You can take all my stuff. You can't take the Duke's car. Oh, and one other asset that he uh, forgot to reveal. This one also, another car. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. This car was a 1979 Pontiac Trans Am. That's oh, up any T-top. memories for you? Oh. <laughs> yes. I nice. looked it up. The one used in Smokey and the Bandit was a 77. <laughs> But dollars to donuts, the 79 was duded up just like old, so just like old Bandit's car. <laughs> so there's Pulsinski. Three years probation is what he got. Maybe the guys had a sense of humor. $1,000 fine. Oh, and they sold both the cars to continue paying off the creditors. Fighting the system like a two modern-day Robin Hood. <laughs> Woo! 
time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After nine straight losses, Elias Diaz would knock in the go-ahead two-run homer in the eighth inning, and the National League would finally hold on for the 3-2 win on Tuesday night at the league's 93rd All-Star Game, their first win since 2012. Neither Brewers pitchers Corbin Burns or Devin Williams made an appearance. The NBA's Board of Governors approved two rule changes that will go into effect next season, a second coach's challenge if the first one is successful, and an in-game flopping penalty, this following its annual meeting during the NBA's 2K24 Summer League on Tuesday. And lastly, the Milwaukee Bucks dropped their Summer League game on Tuesday to the Brooklyn Nets by a final score of 92-71. to The Bucks are back at it tomorrow night to take on the Miami Heat. It's time for Extra Points. A sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. On Tuesday night, the league put a bow in their star-studded midsummer classic with the National League finally coming out victorious for the first time since 2012 in the All-Star game. I'm not sure about you, but after sitting on my couch watching the game last night, it suddenly dawned on me how much better this version of an All-Star game is compared to the likes of, let's say, the National Football League or the NBA. It's simply just better. In fact, miles better, and I don't think it's nearly even close. The game is played at 100% by the players. There's no jogging up the court at a quarter speed. There is no tag and substitute for a tackle like the NFL does it. It's the actual sport being played by the game's brightest stars at the highest level. Without question, the quality of the sport remains intact during the big game. If the biggest complaint following the game last night was what jerseys the players are wearing on the field, I think the sport is in a good spot, at least when it comes to the All-Star festivities. Now, don't get me wrong, the players are most definitely having fun, as they should, but at the same time, they are completely engaged as well. Pitchers are tossing their best stuff, throwing in the upper 90s, and the hitters are looking to crush it. It's competitive, it's entertaining, and it's exactly what it should be. Bottom line here, we give Rob Manfred and his rule changes a lot of grief over a multitude of different things and different opinions. But I think here we can give him a slight pat on the back for this. His league should be the shining example of how to conduct the star-studded event. Perhaps you've noticed it. The Veterans Park along the lakefront there building the stage for the big Harley-Davidson anniversary. Tell you what else I've noticed, more more bikes around. Oh, yeah. Even here in the parking structure. Mm-hmm. Must be people staying at the hotel. Love it. Bunch of Harley-Davidson's parked here in there. Here we go. Potato, potato, potato. Anyway, the Foo Fighters are playing along the lakefront this weekend. So you may remember 20 years ago was the big Elton John fiasco. Harley kept it a big secret. Didn't know who the headliners were going to be. So we were there. WTMJ was there when that all happened. We were broadcasting from the grounds there at Veterans Park for the entire event. So we want to go back into the Wayback Machine. I, I, I pulled some old audio from way back when. I also talked to some of the, the players then. Ben Sherman, former WTMJ host. John Jagler was right by the stage. And here's a look back at how it sounded 20 years ago. And good evening. It is 7.09 on News Radio 620 WTMJ. Ben Sherman with you, anchoring the coverage of the Harley Davidson 100th anniversary reunion party. It's called the party tonight, and a party it has been all day long. People are still streaming in at a. It was a terrific scene. 
there at uh, Veterans Park, McKinley Marina, that whole area. We will find out the uh, the answer to the question. People have been asking all week and actually all month, really, who will the mystery act be here on the main stage at Veterans Park? Let's go stage side where News Radio 620 WTMJ's John Jagler is. John? They've got a big white barricade up, so you can't even see what type of instruments are up on the stage right now. It didn't make sense that the Stones were going to come. Everyone thought the Stones might be the band, but they were in Europe at the time. Springsteen was already performing or just about to perform in Milwaukee. Was it going to be ZZ Top? Could it have been Aerosmith? The Eagles had just finished a tour uh, within the past few days before that event. John, um, there's no chance it'd be McCartney, is there? Uh, I, I don't see it. I don't see. This. I don't think he fits into that crowd. Right. Um, McCartney's Let's... not touring anymore. I mean, logistically, it's possible. Uh, yeah, you know. It's seven o'clock. The anticipated wait is only a half hour away. One band you can cross off that headlining list. The Doobie Brothers, they began performing at 6, so we know they're not the ones headlining coming up at 7.30. Another guy we know who isn't the main headliner, that's Dan Aykroyd. Would the owner of the 1996 Bile Green Yamaha Enduro please pick up their motorcycle? It's hanging in a tree by the harbor. Dan Aykroyd on stage right now with some of the children who have him. I've always appreciated and respected and loved Dan Aykroyd, but I got to admit, it felt like he went on and on before finally announcing. Tim McGraw, weren't you? Yes, I was. He's great. We're just not country western fans, but, uh, we're you know. We're for the Stones. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we want the Stones. There are quite a few people leaving as we speak, but as you said earlier, Ben, there are going to be at least three acts tonight, so maybe some of them are leaving prematurely. Yeah, I have a feeling that may be the case. Thanks, Trey. We'll talk to you in the next hour. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Detroit City, Mr. Kid Rock! Kid Rock came on and actually woke things up. He only played a short set, but actually got the crowd to the feet. Even folks who didn't even know who Kid Rock was, at least he brought energy. We're moments away from uh, one of the best kept secrets, I think, in entertainment history. Who is going to be the starring act at uh, the Harley Davidson 100th? Uh, anniversary celebration party. The video screens that we're showing the crowd shots just went black. Now there's some music coming from the stage. I can tell uh, from my vantage point that there are some musicians on the stage. They're showing a keyboard with hands on it, playing some type of uh, eerie prelude to whatever's going to happen here. That's Elton John's funeral for a friend, John. John Jagler's stage side. The song is Funeral for a Friend off Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album, but no sign of Elton or anybody else right now. If you're just joining us, there he is. All of a sudden, I heard the first few notes of Elton John's Funeral for a Friend. And I'm a huge Elton John fan. I've seen him a couple of times. But I didn't think he was going to be the best fit. 
as apparently a lot of people agreed, for this event. Outside the studio window, there are people passing by, and almost all of them are pointing thumbs down. Some of them are angry. People are pouring out of Veterans Park right now. A lot of people clearly, uh, clearly miffed. I'm very disappointed. It was brutal. The response was painful. People walking out of there angry, um, just really, really angry. Well, I really wanted to see the stones. Elton John is okay, but this is a huge, huge event, and I don't know. I, I'm not happy. And Elton John is either too this or not enough that. Tell me why you don't like it. He's too mellow, and I'm sorry, he's way too gay. When you say this is going to be the concert of your dreams, Everybody has a different idea, and it was everybody's thought that their favorite bands were coming, or maybe a combination of bands. They should have just said this was going to be the act, and not because I, I don't know, I, I'm disappointed. This year, the Foo Fighters, everybody knows, and it's going to be an incredible show. I think if you had to pick a mistake, I think that that last point was it. You know, if you said it was Elton John, if you want to go, go. If you don't, don't. Yeah, but. The fact the that secret. they and they were so coy about it. Oh, we're not going to tell you. Right. We're not going to tell you. It's a big secret. Yeah, and then like you said, everyone, your imagination no starts growing. Was, people were set up to be disappointed if it wasn't who they yep, want. Yep, their band. Business headlines are up next. They're sponsored by Old National Bank. Get old. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Rich Kirchin. Harley Davidson hosts an anniversary celebration every five years, but this week's homecoming may be the first in a new era of big get-togethers every year as the company raises Milwaukee's Moto Culture Profile. Northwestern Mutual names the professional teams for the $500 million makeover of its North Office Tower in downtown Milwaukee. Gil Bain and C.G. Schmidt are general contractor and construction manager. Blood Center operator Versity acquires Quantigen, a contract research company in Indianapolis that develops diagnostic tests and medical devices. I'm Rich Kirchin with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.